Welcome to the Resilience Rising podcast with me, your host, Jen Scottney. With the help of my guests, we will be getting curious about what resilience is, how we develop it and why we need it. This podcast is here to explore all things resilience. Today, my desk, my, well, let's start again. <laughs> I just called you my desk instead of guest. Today, my, today, my guest is Damien Hall, who is a record-breaking ultra runner, journalist, writer, coach, and self-titled accidental climate activist. He's represented the GB team at Long Distance Running. He also has records for the Coast to Coast, Pennine Way, uh, Paddy Buckley Round, Cape Wrath Trail, Southwest Coast Path, and completed at world-famous races such as UTMB, MDS, Montane Sp- Spine Race, among many others. His previous book, In It for the Long Run, documented his rise through ultra running to become one of the UK's leading runners, but it's his new book I wanted to ask him about, which is called We Can't Run Away From This. It's out now with Vertebrate Publishing and it looks at the climate emergency from the point of view of a runner, but I think it does have much wider appeal. So welcome to the podcast, Damien. Uh, thank you, Jen. Thank you. thank you for all of that. Blimey. I know, it's not often I'm serious, is it? <laughs> <laughs> That's all very professional. It's like you've done some research things. <laughs> yes. Um, so the first question that I ask everybody coming on here, obviously this podcast is focusing in on resilience, is kind of getting your idea of your definition of resilience. So what does resilience mean to you? Yeah, it's it's a... It's a sort of potent word, isn't it? Um, I, I guess I was trying to, th- I don't know, a metaphor comes to mind, which is kind of like almost see- keeping the ship afloat as it gets hit by perhaps numerous storms, I suppose. That's uh, probably the most poetic definition that I've had oh, on good. the podcast oh, yet. So I really that. like that one. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think whether it's like, is it keeping the ship sailing forward? But it's not. I don't think it is. I think it's keeping the ship afloat because to be resilient doesn't necessarily mean, I don't know, powering on ahead, you know, because if, if you're really getting hit by some storms, then then they do, the storms hit you, don't they? And, and, they do. And maybe you can't yeah. go back to how it was or going in the direction that you were going. So I really like that definition. Yeah. Oh, thanks. No, yeah, but I give it, I give it some thought. Um, oh. <laughs> but yeah, and then it, I don't know, it's a fascinating word, isn't it? Because it, it can apply to so many things. Um and in ultra running, I don't know. Yeah, we all think of ourselves as resilient, I think, or at least I did for a long time. But I'm not always resilient. You know, sometimes I quit and go, that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, yeah. And I think because I'm now kind of out of ultra running and haven't run for a year, I think I the times where I thought I was being uber resilient in races, actually, you know, most of the time we've put ourselves there. We're in a very privileged position. We've usually paid for the opportunity. And really, for me, resilience has come outside of running. Um, so if I was kind of speaking to you and like asking you to think about your most resilient times, would you immediately go to racing and some of those kind of records and races that I mentioned? Or are other things outside of running that you think you've had to, you know, show resilience in? 
Oh gosh. Um, but yeah, no, just, just to backtrack a little bit, I, I totally agree with you that, that, yeah, usually when we're doing an ultra marathon, we're, uh, uh, yeah, I suppose reasonably well off and, and, and physically fit and, and, you know, and, and those things. And, and in some ways that's not the hardest thing, is it? And what you've been through in the last year or so is, is yeah, to me shows far more resilience than, you know, me, me, me doing a 50 miler or a hundred miler or something. Um, yeah. Great question. I don't know. I, I, if I'm lucky, you know, if I'm honest, I've had, you know, a, a fairly privileged, I'm, as I said, you know, I'm a middle-class white guy, you know, about as privileged as it gets, really. So <laughs> I can't really, yeah, I've had challenging moments in life, but but I can't really um, imagine what it's like for a lot of people um, and who've had far tougher upbringings or, or far tougher current situations, really. Uh, I'm trying to think when I've shown resilience. <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> For me, you show it every day by showing up on social media and putting yourself out there um, talking about this climate emergency when it's be so much easier not to do that, I'm guessing. I, I, I suppose when you put it like that, um, maybe. I mean, I think it comes from a almost a coping mechanism of like, so yeah, I, I've got I've got two kids and I'm, I'm sort of terrified really about, about the planet where passing on to them and what they're going to think of us um so if I could kind of backtrack to how did that all start because um yeah I mean I first knew you as a runner a journalist and back then I don't think you were banging on about the environment so how did it start for you no I'm I'm relatively relatively I went woke (laughs) relatively recently um it was it was Really, it was late 2019, I think, that I first started thinking seriously about this stuff. And, and that was mostly because of um, Extinction Rebellion's protests in London. Um, I must admit, you know, I mean, my parents have voted green for as long as I can remember. My sister's usually been quite, you know, something of an activist, I suppose. She was involved in Extinction Rebellion, you know, uh, before that. Um, but that was always her thing, I suppose. So it didn't seem that appealing to me because she was kind of the you know, she was vegetarian at, I don't know, 10 or something. Um, you know, she was the kind of ethical one in our family, really, I suppose. So, and I was into, I suppose, football and pop music and, you know, much more mainstream things, almost maybe as a reaction to her or to my parents. Um, but the, yeah, so there was an under, uh, what would you call that? A, a current of that, you know, caring about green places, but most people I know seem to care about green places. Um, but then I suppose in 2019, saw Extinction Rebellion's protests and they seemed yeah a lot more concerned about the urgency of of our global situation than than I suppose politicians were almost the media was um so I started looking into them a bit and and following following up on links and and then started reading some books and and then you and then you realize it is incredibly urgent and that governments aren't acting and yeah and that's very troubling um and then I start to think yeah as a parent Am I doing enough? You know, I do, I'm horrified by this idea, I suppose, of my kids turning to me in 20 or 30 years time and saying, Dad, you know, when you guys knew what was happening and you knew what you had to do and you guys didn't really do anything, you know, uh, you know, or, or sort of what did you do? You know, I suppose that would be the question. What did you do? Um, and that, yeah, that, that, that I don't want that to haunt me, I suppose. Um, so. I, I still don't really <laughs> I think like a lot of us we care and we don't really know what to do necessarily but I suppose one of the, you, you talk about social media I guess one of the first things I do normally 
especially on Twitter is, you know, I, I check out a few websites in the morning, including usually, you know, The Guardian, and there's nearly always a fresh <laughs> alarming story and I can't resist just tweeting it, uh, you know, and that probably isn't helping most of us just by adding to the, the doom and gloom, but it almost kind of helps me just to go, ah, look, everyone. <laughs> and I don't even add anything to the thing. I just repost it. I think I even, I don't know if I've done that this morning yet, but most mornings in the week, yeah. I, there's a new story, you know, there's a new study, there's a new something alarming. Um, uh, and yes, and um, and early on, it does, it, I mean, it's interesting, D- different social media platforms are different. Uh, it's quite interesting. I mean, stuff flies by so much on Twitter that I don't get many, I don't get many squabbles there. Sometimes on F- Facebook can be more squabbly. Um, yeah, there's definitely people not wanting to sort of uh, believe, believe in the science that, or, or at least the urgency um and then instagram's an interesting place i i stick more to the running on instagram but um increasingly it's i suppose as i've had the book come out and to promote that and stuff but actually i don't get that much sort of negativity from it really it's it's just that sometimes the negativity they're the ones you remember isn't it so you know you get 90 percent support and it's the two two comments that weren't supportive that, that sometimes stay in your mind um and how did it feel kind of first raising those kind of environmental issues on social media? Because I'm guessing you weren't as well informed. <laughs> this is pre-book. Um, yeah. And so how was that first going out? Did you just think, well, this is important, I'm going to do it, whatever? Or were you kind of tentative about putting yourself out there? Yeah, no, that you. that's a great question because, yeah, I wasn't that well informed. I didn't really know where... I mean, there are so many debates now. Yeah. Do you concentrate on the individual footprint or do you, you know, push for, you know, more what Extinction Rebellion are into, which is pushing for system change. And they're not so so concerned with an individual's footprint. Um, and that's just a huge debate that's going to rumble on. But but yeah, I mean, at the time I was flying around in 2019, I think I flew to you know, I had five return flights that were running related. Um, and of course, if I start to say, hey, like, you know, something's wrong with the world, you know, things need to change a bit. Of course, some people want to turn on you and go, ah, I saw you, you know, you you flew or you've got a car. Um, or did you recycle all the all the hummus pots that you could have recycled <laughs> last year, you know? Um, and some of that, some of that actually was was fair, fair at the time, I think. I probably, I was flying more than I needed to. I, I haven't, um, I've made big changes there. Um, so some of that was fair. So I don't, some of it wasn't probably wasn't fair but but that made me think about all these things more I suppose and and I did I think it was the next year 2020 I mean we were all in lockdown it was kind of easier to to not fly although beginning of the year we didn't know that was going to happen um but yeah I I did sort of make an effort to think how can I be a better um what's the word a better athlete I suppose a more sustainable focused athlete and I thought well I don't need to be flying much um I can do more domestic things or more. And, and in fact, yeah, I haven't, haven't flown since, haven't flown for three years. Um, but, you know, and what's interesting is when you start saying things like that, actually some people come back the other way and say, you know, you shouldn't feel you should sacrifice your running career. Um, you know, when when it comes to flights, especially it's the top 1% or the top 10% of super emitters who are flying, you know, five, 10 times a year. And, and a family that flies once a year shouldn't necessarily feel they shouldn't, you know, shouldn't make that flight. Um, so each of, you know, each of these micro debates, you know, go round and round. But 
um, yeah, I didn't really know my footprint and and and, and the, the important aspects of it, and I still am not convinced how important that is. But but you obviously you'd lose. I don't know how much credibility I've got, but like <laughs> you wouldn't have much if you were. I mean, well, an, an interesting example is say Killian Jone, who's who's very outspoken. Um, but he's, you know, he he definitely still flies, but he flies less. Um, and you know, to some people, I, I definitely know some people are very critical of him, and some people are very supportive of him. Um, I actually think he's he's fantastic. He does quite a lot behind the scenes in um, in trying to sort of galvanise and, and support other other sort of runners. And admittedly, he did do a foreword for my for my book, so I'm a, I'm a little bit biased there. But um, you know, he came out with, and he does understand. You know, he's he's very well informed. You know, he came up with this idea of a pledge of like maybe runners could pledge to just you know uh, emit this amount of tons per year or whatever. But um, yeah, I think it's only natural. But but yeah, I mean, a lot of that is. I'm waffling a bit now, but like there is a natural sort of what aboutery that 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 some people hide behind. Um, which I, you know, isn't just me. That it's in it's in some of these climate change books by, say, um, Professor Catherine um, uh, Hayhoe, the Canadian, brilliantly named Canadian professor, um, climate scientist. Like she talks about it a lot. And yeah, for some people, they, I don't know. Instead of thinking about themselves or acting themselves, they would rather point out an inconsistency or or an imperfection somewhere else. And I caught, I sort of understand that. I, you know, I'm human. I've probably thought along those lines before. But, and did that affect kind of your mental health at all? Just having this, like those endless micro debates, just seem really kind of energy sapping. Or were you quite quick to just shut down? I actually, this is where what I need to say, and that's enough, and I'll move on. Did you lose any sleep over that? Yeah, I think I think I think it varies. I think some days I feel like sort of strong about where I am. And then you might catch me on another day and mm. something gets to you. Uh, I think I think it's the truth. I think I'd be definitely lying if I said, you know, it's, it's water off a duck's back. I'd be, I'd be lying um, if that's the case. But but sometimes people say things and honestly, I don't care um, <laughs> <laughs> because I'm happy, you know, well, not happy, but I'm I'm OK that I'm doing some things, you know. Um, um, so sometimes I feel like, you know, you, you feel well at least I'm tr- at least I'm trying and it's just too urgent to get you know to be perfect I suppose um yeah I think I think in oh. the book and I think you've said it out loud like yeah I'm a hypocrite but we all are and once you yeah, accept that then it's really liberating and we can just yeah. stop being perfect and there's even get on with uh, what we need to do podcast but there's a book here yeah we're we're all climate hypocrites now <laughs> um so it, you, you've just got to so even for those who don't know, and I didn't know at the beginning, you know, even our food and our clothes, the creation of them releases emissions. So like almost everything we do, there's some emissions being released. And, you know, we didn't vote for the system. We just we grew up in it. We were born into it. We didn't necessarily realize that almost everything we do is is, is adding to the problem. Um, of course, we can as individuals, we can reduce some of that. And, you know, there are three or four main areas. Um, but actually, the better thing to do is is well bang 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 some um pans together really and make some noise and and, and, and possibly sit in a road while we're doing it 
I mean, I think (laughs) that's kind of, I was going to ask you to sort of just give a summary of your book, but you've really done it there that you go through those kind of ways in which we can make a difference individually, but then also it finishes with the book in those kind of wider ways, which I think is really important because there's so much pressure, isn't there, as individuals to solve this emergency when, as you say, we were born into the system um, and there's other things that we can do, including the activism. Yeah, well, uh, um, you you have actually read it, have you? Wow, um, I, I've, but... I've read your book. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's quite depressing, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah so I, I mean, guess... I, I feel like the first half was really depressing. <laughs> yes, I, I regret. I would actually, especially the the sportswear stuff, is the really depressing stuff I I found, um, and it was hard condensing it into three chapters. And I I probably regret putting that so early in the book actually because it's it's quite thick to wade through and quite dense. And not very cheery. Um, and of course, if you're not actually buying much kit or throwing much kit away, you know, your classic fell runner who might be a little bit, you know, still wearing shorts from 1983, they're actually really, you know, doing local races, maybe cycling to some of them. They're actually brilliantly, you know, they're mm. the best athletes in a way in terms of sustainability. But yeah, for most people, the main areas are, are really kit. And then probably the bigger area would be travel to races, depending on what races you do. But I was traveling around the, around the world to big races. I'm not saying people shouldn't. It's just maybe understanding the damage i suppose mostly from a flight and then and then i i guess yeah working out for yourself what you think is is acceptable and and i've done a lot of the big races i wanted to do so it's easy for me to not fly for 3 years i'm not i don't think other people have to think that way um, yeah and i wondered like sorry when when you're talking about yeah it is you know and and i've done a similar race like i've done an mds in peru which i i really didn't think about at the time that i was flying all over the world across the world to um this beautiful place where it was full of plastic consumption um, and I just wondered how much guilt do you have for kind of how we've lived in the past? Because I know that I feel like I I struggle to speak out about it because I because of my past of things like that that I've done. And was that hard for you, or was that just quite easy to think? Right, well, I didn't know any better back then, but I know better now, so I can do better. Well, yeah, I do. I do get comments along those lines sometimes. I think someone on Twitter a while ago said something like, um, "Yeah, I posted something about flights and and." the aviation industry it was probably critical i can't remember it was just sharing a story and someone kind of said yeah but those planes have helped you get around the world to your races haven't they um but i think the simple thing is like you're allowed to change your mind when you know more information you know like you might have thought someone at school was an amazing person uh and you see them 20 years later and i don't know i, I don't want to be i don't want to say something too judgmental but their life may have turned out very differently to how you thought and, and actually you, you don't want to hang around with them anymore um or the other way around you know um when we get new information, we're allowed to sort of update our view on things. Like that's just that would be crazy if we didn't, right? That would be crazy if we said, "No, no, I've always enjoyed flying, so I'm going to I'm going to carry on. Um, I'm going to double up my flights this year because I like flying." Um, so, I think we've just we've just got to accept, you know. And I and I think I think if in doubt, just sort of put your hand up and you know, sort of tell the truth. And that's what I try to do. And and I'm I've already said in this conversation, I said in the book, yeah, I have I have flown a lot for races for running i wasn't really aware of the the damage now i'm better informed i'm personally not going to fly nearly as much um and i I, but i try very hard not to judge other people um i would say you know get informed on that it's it's not too hard and then make your own decisions but really it's you know the aviation industry and, and governments who can you know do so much more than us um but they seem very very slow 
to do that those things and that's where we that's where yeah i'm massively supportive of, of extinction rebellion and just stop oil and, and and insulate britain and people who are gluing themselves to rose i think it's absolutely heroic and and exactly what we sort of almost have to do now um so yeah and also yeah i did see one of the newspapers of course they're owned by these right-wing billionaires and and um who want the status quo and and to, to remain as it is and so i did see one of them yeah done a, a hatchet job on one of the protesters and sort of said yeah they flew to nepal in like five years ago like it's like bloody hell <laughs> like, um so yeah i just think when when you know more it's okay to update your your view on the world i think um and then i was just wondering like you could certainly do no more just looking at the book and how much information is in there so i wondered if you could talk about how you did the research for the book because that seems quite overwhelming in itself um and the process behind that and then I also wondered like the more you know surely the more depressing (laughs) the situation (laughs) is the more kind of well I've been like because of your book instead of calling it the you know I've been trying to call it the climate emergency rather than this sort of climate change which doesn't sound so so worrying um so how how did the book come about first of all well actually yeah it almost it kind of came about from a different idea actually we were playing around with the word sort of sustainable uh but maybe more more in a in an athletic sense you know um but then we sort of said, oh, well, if someone's a sustainable athlete, they're going to think about the planet a bit as well. And then we all went, well, hold on. Isn't, isn't that the book? Um, so, yeah, it was Kirsty Reid at, at Vertebrate Publishing who, who um, yeah, really encouraged me to sort of push that through and, and, and said, well, you you know, for the last two or three years, you've been sort of looking into um, this for yourself, haven't you? What, do you, th- you know, is there enough for a book there? Um, turns out there's enough. Yeah, more than enough. I handed it in, I think. I missed three deadlines and handed it in well over 10,000 words too long, I think. Um, so yeah. And then, and then I think with my previous book, it was really, it was only just, <laughs> it's just about me and my running. So it was quite, you know, you're the authority on that, you know, uh, well, not you. Me. Uh, but um, <laughs> I've read that book this, too. So I do know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can only pity you. Um, <laughs> with this one. Yeah. There's definitely an imposter syndrome and I don't, I'm not necessarily, you know, from a sort of sciencey background, so I bought, um, there's a stack of them behind me. I ended up buying over 30 books. I can't promise I read every single one from start to 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 to, to the back cover, but um, I read most of them. And and I guess there's a lot online as well now, but um, I almost gathered too much, maybe in, the, maybe in the clothing stuff. I almost gathered too much and because you've sort of got this imposter thing where you're like, I've got to make sure I fully understand this. Um, and of course, I chatted to industry experts um, where relevant, which was usually a lot a lot more illuminating than, than sort of maybe some of the book stuff. Um, but yeah, you, you gather all this stuff, I suppose, and then you have to try and make it readable, I suppose. And that that's maybe where I struggled a bit more in that, especially with the, the sportswear stuff. It's just, it's just so complex sometimes, um, you know, and some of these, and, and it can be very counterintuitive. Like I think we all think of plastic as, as kind of an enemy, um, but and my my you know when my kit would arrive from Innovate some new kit would be in plastic and I and I would send them like slightly grumpy emails sometimes saying does it have to come in all this plastic you know how about a paper bag well actually a paper bag can be worse <laughs> can be worse for the environment than a plastic bag which is one of those really frustrating things you find out um, and also of course if the kit is damaged so if it's not protected on the way over from usually from Asia and almost all sportswear is made in Asia. Um, 
then then if the kit is damaged, that's a worse environmental sort of waste than the plastic bag and things like that. So I guess I don't know. That doesn't sound massively complex, but like at least that's sort of counterintuitive. So you get all these frustrating frustrating things like that. Um, and and yeah, the, the more you find out, the more you realize you don't know, kind of thing. And at some point, you've got to you know you've got to stop typing because there'll be <laughs> because much. there's a deadline <laughs> yes and and yes um you can't carry on missing them so how did uh, you feel in that process of writing the book i mean i kind of it just feels like though it came across that you were pretty um depressed by some of the stats that you found particularly in those chapters about the shoes and the clothing um like how yeah. did you how did you feel was it was it a roller coaster on that journey writing the book yeah it did genuinely i have to be careful with the word i suppose depression because like yeah. yeah i don't think i was clinically depressed and 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 some you know i don't want to make trivial um don't want to make light of that um but i was really fed up i was really gloomy um especially when you just realize you've been complicit in in sportswear both as just using it i suppose but you know um I, i'm an ambassador for a brand and, I, and i've promoted various brands in my you know in my time in in, in ultra running and then you realize well hold on you're because underpinning all of it is overconsumption, you know, creating too much stuff, selling too much stuff, buying too much stuff, wasting too much stuff. Like if we could all just chill on that, you could save a lot, you know, tons and tons of CO2. Um, and but of course, in the past, I've been very guilty of going, hey, look at my new thing, everyone, which is, you know, half of what social media is, or at least Instagram is. Um, and I, and so I felt, yeah, really guilty. But again, a bit like the flying, I didn't really, I didn't know all that. I didn't know I, you know, two or three years ago, I had no idea that emissions would come from creating your clothes. That doesn't make, it doesn't seem that logical if you don't know it. Um, or maybe it does. Well, but, I was um, really surprised at how much of the emissions came from washing your clothes. That was a real yeah, surprise yeah. in... Drying your clothes, yeah, if you use a tumble dryer. So, yeah. And, in the yeah, book. Yeah. Like there was some really, yeah, there was some things where I was like, really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess I consoled myself. So sometimes I had, I literally had breaks. I was like, I can't work on this for a week. I'm, I'm right. too fed up. It's just making me gloomy. But then I guess you think, well, hold on, I'm going to be able to hopefully share this information with lots of people. Um, that Hopefully that's worthwhile. You know, that that's a positive. Um, and yeah, I mean, helping, hopefully helping inform people, spreading some awareness. I mean, that's that's a good, a positive outcome. But yeah, I definitely had the book took a lot longer than expected. Um, took more out of me emotionally, I think, than, than I was expecting. Um, but then, and then, I mean, the book does mirror almost almost that journey that that yeah starts off really really gloomy by the end i did find lots of moments of not moments sorry lots of examples of optimism in running and also i remembered right at the end that like running is a good thing like for <laughs> yeah. a while i was like running's the worst thing in the world and actually you know it, it really isn't you know it's it's a it is a genuine lifesaver for some people um and and yeah keeps a lot of us yeah very you know, healthy and happy. And, and you could just expand that to, I suppose, outdoor exercise. Um, and also I would say the book does, even though it's mostly about running it, I think it, it applies to a lot of... Yeah, yeah I think it really does. I mean, yeah, yeah, even going through kind of all fashion and then all travel, all the all diet. I mean, it's relevant outside of running, definitely. Um, I think one of the things as I was reading the book was a feeling of guilt of kind of everything. <laughs> yeah and well, there's a great line sorry, sorry no no carry on there is yeah. some good lines about girl. Line. it's a line from someone else um <laughs> yeah it was a great line from someone else where they say that they had a spell of like feeling guilty for existing yes you know and yeah that's not fair is it that's not fair that we should 
that we should feel that way. But sorry, you carry on with your... No, well, it was just how you cope with that, really, because I suppose there was... I mean, I guess I thought I was more well-informed. I'd worked for a outdoor brand for nearly a year. Um, so I feel like I had seen that kind of side of it from the industry. But um, yeah, you son- I suddenly started feeling really guilty. And I wondered how you coped with that. <laughs> Because I feel like you've been feeling it longer than me and um, with all the knowledge that you have about all the little detail, which was really complex for just some kind of, I mean, like you say, with the plastic packaging or something like that, where we think, oh, yeah, that's really black and white. Actually, it's not. Um, so how did you how do you feel with and cope with that feeling of guilt? Well, I guess some of it was thinking, well, hold on, it wasn't me that I suppose one of the classic ones is like, um, I don't know, all the plastic packaging or the, well, that's complex. Again, often the plastic packaging isn't the worst item on, on yeah, for, worst aspect of a lot of things. But um, maybe I should backtrack a bit there. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I think some of it turned into anger, uh, anger at some of the big, you know, big oil, I suppose, mm. and, and maybe some of the big sports brands. Um, I suppose that, you know, they know, they know um, especially big oil, um, you know, they've known for decades what they're doing. So I guess some of it turned to anger, which I suppose isn't that super healthy either. Um, some of it turned to, um, well, yeah, I mean, a lot of that guilt was fairly innocent. You know, like like for you, I didn't really understand sportswear or travel a few years ago. I didn't really understand that. So and then I guess the positivity, hopefully, of turning it into a book that or at least even just, you know, if people are listening to this but haven't brought the book, that's totally fine. You know, hopefully there's some awareness being spread. Um and I suppose yeah, I did go to I did go to to, to protest. I, I join Extinction Rebellion protests when I can, and that feels really good. And, and to me, that's more important than than yeah than, than personal changes. And, and one more thing, I suppose, is recognizing the elephants from the mice. Um, and and yes, for example, recycling. Yeah, most of us recycle, but it really isn't in the scheme of things. It isn't that significant, really. Sadly, I mean, we should, we might as well carry on. It's not that difficult, is it? But um, you know, um, the elephants are, are our travel, our diet, um, I says the stuff we buy. Um, and the fourth one is less of a running one, but basically the energy for our homes. Um, those are the four big areas. And then I suppose the fit, the fifth one or, or, or something going right over the top of all of those is, is being a bit of an activist or trying to push for change in whatever way that takes, you know, emailing your MP, that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I think, and I think that is, um, I've got this other book here. Again, I'm terrible for podcasts, but a guide to um, a guide to eco-anxiety. I must admit, I haven't read all of this ah, yet. I haven't read that um, one. I think that one sounds like a um, good one. I'll put, I'll put the books in the show notes. Oh, okay. Thank you. Um, I haven't read it all, but, but yeah, in, she definitely talks about, um, I mean, it, maybe it sounds obvious, but yeah, one way of dealing with it is to engage with it and, and, you know, push it, put it into put those frustrations, put, put that, that feeling into, into some sort of action. Um, and I guess for me, it was, you know, the main action I, I have done is produce this book, I suppose, um, which was, um, yeah, well, hope, well, hopefully helps the situation. Um, and what has the um, reaction been since the book? Everyone hates it. <laughs> oh, no, uh, what's he banging on about now? <laughs> No, I'm guessing that, I mean, you put, it's a really practical book in terms of the action we can take. Like at the end of each chapter, you've got a long list of what we can do. Um, So I'm hoping that it's been positive and people 
yeah. have been able to make those changes? I mean, has has it felt from your well, side? Yeah, no, I, I feel like um, the running world, or at least the sort of running world that that that, that sort of we both are part of, has been really, really receptive. Um, and the, and the me, you know, the running media, you know, Runners World, Athletics Weekly, trail running magazines like that have all rushed to kind of cover it, which which I'm really grateful for and is great and makes me feel again that sort of almost we're all ready for, you know, just I don't know whether it's some more knowledge or just something else to guide us a bit. Not 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 meaning I've written something that can guide everyone, but like just sharing that knowledge. Um, outside of running, like, yeah, I don't know if it's got I don't know if it's got much further. Um, but I guess we got time. Yeah. Well, no, we haven't, we haven't got much time, but no, I feel like people have, if people have been unsupportive, they've been quiet about it, I, I guess. Mm. Um, uh, and I, honestly, at the moment, I feel like, well, I don't, I don't really, I don't really care if people, um, you know, are in denial about things. Um, like it's, it's got to, um, I don't know, we got, we got to push for change. It's, it's all getting a bit desperate. Um, so Yeah. I forgot. I forgot what the question was. To be honest, but <laughs> no, that was fine. Um, we were talking about the response from the book. Yeah, no, I feel people. Yeah, and uh, it's difficult because it's not a fun book, really, is it? Although no. I put some climate, some, some climate change jokes in there. Yeah, they were terrible. Uh, yeah, they were. <laughs> <weren't> they? But, <laughs> they, <laughs> but they were partly for my own. Yeah, to, to sort of stay sane while I was doing it, and 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 maybe for the reader as well. Um, but yeah, it is not an easy book to read. It's not that much fun. So I was never expecting it to be, you know, a, a bestseller or, or I've been nominated. I have been nominated for one award, actually, which is a first for the for, for TGO magazine. Which was I, I voted for you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Put one vote then. And my yeah. So, um, <laughs> I, but, I suppose. But, yeah. yeah. Like just going back to the guilt thing, like we talked about the guilt for kind of past mistakes we've made. But going forward, I mean, do you still get? joy from going for a run in Wales or are you worried about how you've got there and what you're eating I mean (laughs) it has changed it has changed things I do feel very conscious yeah so I I think people I think we all need to yeah recognize the elephants from the mice and and you think about the elephants um which yeah again our travel our kit our our, um our, our diet um but yeah that means so I haven't flown for three years but I still feel guilty every time I use a car um now the great thing with well one of the nuances of car trips is if you've got four people in the car actually that's pretty good environmentally even if it's um diesel or petrol that um that is about the same as a train journey apparently in many circumstances so so that's not too bad if you stick three or four people in the car it's not terrible one person in the car yeah that is quite that is fairly bad and sometimes i still do journeys that that i've in fact yeah no i'm, I'm gonna um i'm doing a race this weekend we were planning to, me and my friend were going to get the train, but there's a train strike. So uh, possibly the only way to do it is, yeah, the two of us getting in the car, which, um, well, you can probably tell from this that I'm, I'm sort of agonising over those little things that I used to just yeah. do without thinking. Yeah. Um, and I have been criticised publicly for, um, yeah, my F- my sort of FKT record attempts over the last couple of years. Um, yeah, there were a lot of car journeys involved in those, and I was always open. Uh, I've always been transparent about that and always kind of, when I've been praised for picking up litter, I've tried to say, um, well, there were quite a lot of car journeys involved and that's actually much worse than the litter. Um, but there is a line line in the book from, I think it's from Mike Berners-Lee, who's the sort of preeminent um, expert on, on personal footprints, was, you know, not to give up. We shouldn't give up what gives us joy. We shouldn't, we're not at that level yet where we shouldn't, 
you know, ever leave the house or ever traveled um, somewhere. Maybe we can travel better, you know. Um, but, you know, my personal footprint is massively reduced. Um, and, and that is online at, at um, I've worked with a company called Our Carbon. So I've done, you know, and, and, and the things online, I can I can share that if you if you like. Um, so I feel like I've done. Well, there's a nice line, actually. Progress, not perfection. Like we can't be perfect. Um, it sounds like a bit of a cop out, maybe, but we simply can't be perfect because, you know, even our, our toast in the morning, even our tea bags, um, there will have been some emissions to get them to uh, to us. So can we make a bit of individual progress? Well, most of us can. And, and that's hitting the, the big areas. But I would say above all that, I, I, I'm not that interested in what other people are doing as individuals in terms of reducing. I, I'd rather if you can, I don't know, email your MP, get out in the streets, join, join, you know, even just join Greenpeace online. Um, they do some great email campaigns where you sort of email, you know, your local MP at key times before a bill, a relevant bill is being debated. I'd much rather people did those things. I think they're more important. Um, yeah. No, that's great. And what else have you, I mean, you said that you've written the book, but there is also some other groups that you've been involved in, is it the Green Runners that you set up. And um, I mean, these are acts of activism in a way, aren't they? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I was a co-founder of the Green Runners. Um, we've been we've been uh, been a thing less than a year. Um, I mean, I must admit, I was um, I did I did the least amount of work. It was um, other ace people behind the scenes, um, but that felt yeah, and and that's when activism, you know, that idea of being an everyday activist, or or another nice phrase I nicked from another author was sort of you know um, being a little bit being a little bit activist. You know, because activism is quite a daunting word and, and, and puts in mind gluing yourself to the M25, uh, which most of us aren't going to do. But but little acts can be big acts, you know, um, and, you know, 600 people have signed up for the Green Runners. So, again, that that feels like there were people there wanting to do something, mm. um, wanting to be involved in something bigger. Um, and that's, you know, that's really reassuring. Um, and, yeah, so those. Those are things. Yeah, they make me feel better than, you know, I've, I think I think you guys were vegan long before I was, but but yeah, I mean I've gone vegan in all of this as well because when you look at uh, beef especially, but meat and dairy industry and, and their emissions, it's hard. I found it almost impossible to eat beef after that. Um, I don't think everyone else has to go down that level, but um, I would yeah again concentrate more on the activism stuff. But that could be your local running club, you know, it could be your local race. Um, those those are moments of activism so we can all we can all be activists i think yeah and i even took that from of just talking about it and mentioning it even if it's not on in public just to friends family um that that was a small act of activism too and yeah i've been vegan for about seven years now um um but when i did go vegan i found a lot of kind of resistance from those around me um I still do and I just wondered how your family and kind of close friends whether they were supportive on this journey even with the there's some friends that you mentioned that were clearly inspiring to you um but how did you find that because you know people can be resistant to people changing I was um I think I've turned vegan just at the trendy moment to be honest I, I really admire people who have been doing it you know properly we had nothing um, in supermarkets about that. yeah it's easy <laughs> honestly I found it easy on a practical level you know soup um even motorway service stations uh 
yeah there, there's always stuff there i know <laughs> it's really it's quite easy um it must have been so much harder for you and the other day i met a guy who'd been vegan for like he was 70 he'd been vegan for like 46 years or something yeah and i was like oh my goodness he's a proper vegan so i do feel like a massive johnny come lately I, even then though i expected good friends to give me more stick uh, in fact i'm pretty much my best friend uh he won't be listening to this but yeah james king he's called he went vegetarian at university and i i ripped i ripped the uh <laughs> you know, I really gave him some stick because it was it seemed like the trendy thing, and I get, and so twenty years later I turned vegan. I was expecting <laughs> him to you know turn his double barrel shotgun on me, and he was just like, oh yeah, fair enough. And then you know, um, well, I, but what I find now is I think the or at least amongst my friends, the message is out there, you know, and a lot of people are eating. Lots of people I know have a are like a mostly vegan diet now. You know, meat is something you have a you know as a treat when you eat out, maybe like once a fortnight, once a month or something. Um, I know lots of people are doing that lots of, and, and, um, yeah, I, <laughs> I definitely, I did it right at the friendliest moment. So, um, thank you to all the vegans that came before <laughs> me. Uh, you, you were the, you were the trailblazers to make it easier for us. <laughs> but in terms of the kind of other, I mean, calling yourself accidental activist, um, but did you find that your family was supportive of that is because you mentioned that your whole family have kind of made changes because of it um and did that yeah, make so it easier for you it's it's we weren't sure so I've got two children and I did cheat chat to yeah Rini McGregor who's a, a renowned sports dietitian um and and she was a bit guarded about you know kids going onto a vegan diet um it's okay if if you as a parent you're really on it you know and really making sure they're getting all those micronutrients and vitamins and minerals um you know calcium things like that uh and and I the truth is I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not that on it. I'm quite lazy with food. So, and my wife, my wife also has various allergies, uh, including soy and, and several nuts, which pretty much puts her, you know, just on spinach. Um, I mean, I'm a so, gluten-free vegan, so I definitely, <laughs> but I was kind yeah. of, I wasn't just focusing on the veganism, but other wider oh, as well changes. Okay. But. Well, yeah. So, yeah, I'd say, I mean, so so yeah but they reduced so we reduced sort of certainly reduced meat yeah. there's there's very little red meat coming in to the house um i mean with kids you've got to be a bit like if they you know if they ho- hate oat milk you still want them to you know have their cereal in the morning sort of thing so but my son has recently he's only 8 but he he said he he's gone pescatarian um but that's most more cuz he just loves animals and doesn't really want to be eating dead ones but yeah so we 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 will have massively reduced our overall sort of impact from food. I think they only have, you know, sort of one chicken, one fish a week at the most. Um, and then I'm not having any. And then, um, so that's okay. I guess, yeah, we haven't flown as a family since 2019. Um, again, that lockdown 2020 made that easier than no one was flying. Um, we are debating at the moment, I suppose. Yeah, we, we don't necessarily feel we, you know, we didn't fly with the kids anywhere this year but we don't well it's two things partly is you know we don't feel we should you know mass you know totally restrict them from from a sort of full life and travel is an incredible thing so we haven't ruled out ever flying again we don't think that's totally fair on them um but at the same time yeah i mean in the past we would have there probably would have been one flight holiday a year now we're probably get you know maybe it's every other year or something um i suppose that's one of the main the main considerations um 
what else? They're probably the two big ones. I mean, switching to renewable energy supplier um, is is a fairly easy one. But um, well, it, it it used to be an easy one. Um, so that that is actually one of the big. A year or so ago, that's one of the simplest um, things people could do. But it's got very complicated the energy thing with you know this recent energy crisis. So I, I'm not an expert on that. But that used to be one of the really easy things you could do that wouldn't you know would hardly affect a thing, and would be like 25% of your your energy, 25% um, of your emissions. So they're the big two really. It's it's diet and travel. Um, so yeah, it doesn't felt like a big deal to be honest. From, from a family perspective. And I think we've kind of already touched on it because you've talked about how the outside of our individual um, reductions of emissions is more important. But I kind of felt like one of the really low points of the book <laughs> was like if we made all these changes to everything that we've talked about, it still wouldn't stop the climate emergency because it really does rest with those, you know, top 10% or top 1% of flyers. And I just, I think, I think there's a phrase in your book, I'm not sure if you were quoting somebody or it was you about being paralysed by doom, I think it was. And I definitely felt this myself. It's kind of we can go through, get educated on all these individual changes we can make, but ultimately it feels futile because it's out of our hands. Um, did you feel that at any point during writing the book or your research? I'm kind of thinking back to your original, like when we were talking about what resilience meant to you and that kind of the ship. I mean, for me, it kind of just feels at points like it's just, I'm too small to make a difference in this. <laughs> yeah yeah it does this come back to the activism that we've been talking about and really yeah, reaffirming think, that we're not not too small to make a difference yeah yeah i think that's what that's another good reminder to the the, the activism the talking about it is more important than yeah washing up your pot your hummus pots um and you're right. You, you can get you can get kind of so overwhelmed with your almost your insignificance, um, or that 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 yeah, you, you paralysis. You you do nothing, and and that's that's not going to help you. Your men, your mindset as an individual, even you know, regardless of the whole situation. So I think almost almost the message of turning vegan, like your actual just veganism as an example, your or reducing just reducing meat and dairy, your reduction there let's be honest that won't really matter but the fact that every time you go into a cafe and you ask for you know an oat milk or or um you know or you, you buy something from the vegan menu like that's going to have something of a snowballing effect that's going to make the cafe do more of that um it's, it's going to make put the idea in other people's heads so that there is a there's a snowballing element there um but really, yeah, I think it's a reminder that it's the activism stuff. That, and I get that paralysis, I think, or that sense of um, gloom or, or that does turn to sort of anger and frustration with with yeah, governments and, and large corporations who aren't doing enough. And then and then I hope I think for me anyway, that's focusing that's focusing on the right direction. Um, and that's where real change can happen. Um, and you see, I mean. Just over the channel in France, I mean, they're, they're just about to ban the, uh, domestic flights of, of less than, I think it's less than two and a half hours where there's a train available. So that's quite, you know, 
that, that's significant. I think that so we're seeing things happen in some countries. Um, Britain's not horrendous when it comes to sort of renewables and stuff. We're 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 doing okay. Um, so yeah, I think that's where we need to focus things. Um, if that was any kind of yeah, I feel like we're we're getting to like the book. We've ended with a bit of hope. <laughs> some governments well, are doing yeah heading in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah, there, there are. There is there is hope, and um, there is some hope. Um, and what was brilliant, actually, in in the running world, I mean, people have inspired me. Is is Dan and Charlotte at Rerun Clothing, and then you know Jim Mann, who um, uh, he started up or co-founded Trees Not Tees, and and that's going on. He's incredibly busy, Jim Mann, with with his new venture, which is called Undo, which is sort of carbon capture technology. Um, and yeah, I mean, he's he's so busy, he barely has time to run. And he's the sort of guy who, who likes to run 90 or 100 miles a week. Um, so, yeah, there are runners doing inspiring things. And there were companies as well doing doing reasonably impressive things or at least. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them sound like they are and they're not. But there, there, there are there are people doing the right things. Um, so I, I did. I did finish the book feeling optimistic and um I'm not sure if this is your last question or not. But I, <laughs> I think it will be. I'm not going to bring us down. But... <laughs> um, no. But yeah, there is optimism. There is optimism to be had. Um, and even if it's false optimism, I mean, to be to feel a bit optimistic for for the next five years would would um, would be helpful. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, yeah, it, it's pretty depressing. Um, um, yeah, I think the key thing is not to if you sink into, into that gloom is to yeah find the find the, the holes on the wall to, to climb back up. And usually that is doing something. And I would say, yeah, I mean, I enjoy being vegan. I, I've cut down on my travel, et cetera. But I, I wouldn't stress about those things personally. I'm not going to point a finger at anyone for not doing those things. Um, it's, it's, it's hassling, it's hassling, hassling governments and, and joining, you know, joining organisations who are doing that, I suppose, um, as well. Yes. Uh, yeah. No, I definitely felt like I needed to... Um get more involved with those organizations such as Greenpeace and Extinct Rebellion at the end of your book so that was really oh, inspiring good. thank you but even doing this is is, is something you know you, you're you're spreading the word and um it's it's important all of it yeah like you say talk you know talking about it sounds like a bit of a cop-out hey let's just talk about it but you never know who who who, who it could influence and no and, and you've could influence and yeah you've clearly had a lot of people that you mentioned at the end of the book that have had such a um influence on you and i guess that you never know who who you're influencing at the time you really, you really have read it haven't you um, <laughs> yeah, right to the end <laughs> yeah i mean i re- i realized over time that actually i'd had two or three good friends who i found a bit annoying at the time that, you know not not you know they were good friends you know how good friends are annoying not not um but because they were more ethical or more, you know, or more virtuous. And then you realise actually they've had a huge Im- impact on you. Um, you just maybe don't at that second acknowledge it. Um, and you know they were kind of right. And, and um, yeah, and that, that, that can inform, yeah, that can inform our actions and, and change us. So it's... Um, and you've got a huge platform. So um, I guess inspiring lots of people all at once by using it where... Um, there's definitely other athletes out there that haven't gone down that path. Yeah, I, I am quite interested in that, actually. Um, I think there is a fear of getting it, you know, a fear of not being perfect. And I mean, it's too late for me. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's it's too late for me. I, I think I just, my first couple of posts on this subject, you know, two or three years ago, I just kind of spouted off through, um, yeah, through fear and passion, I suppose. 
Um, and then you and then you try and be perfect afterwards. I suppose you go back and look at the facts. But I, I can definitely see both brands and even events, races, and and runners, elite runners that I know and I spoke to during the book. They're too, they are a bit afraid of not being perfect or being called a hypocrite. And um, I can I can totally understand that. But I, I just to me, it's just too urgent and, and too important. And, yeah, I don't really care if a few people aren't on board with me or, or don't like, you know, occasionally when I post stuff, you know, you get uh, what did someone say recently? Oh, I'm out as if they're not going to follow me anymore because you know, they don't agree. I was like, I don't, I don't really care that much. <laughs> it's fine. Cheerio. Um, so, but I'm not always that. I don't always feel that resilient to, to, to use the word, but, but, you know, increasing the idea. I think, you know, I think we can see which side of history, um, yeah, it's gonna, it's quite obvious. I think, you know, um, who's on the right side of it, I suppose. Um, yeah. 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 And, um, so just looking ahead for next year, what plans do you have? I was going to do that seven, seven marathons. <laughs> seven uh, yeah, that uh, gets a really good write up in your book. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've got the spine race. I'm not sure when this is coming out, but, but I've got the spine race coming up in, in mid January. Um, people may already be able to laugh at my pathetic performance there by the time this comes out. Um, uh, and that's not necessarily because it's a local, you know, a domestic race. I just love doing that. I've, I've started it three times, finished it twice. Um, it's just a great British winter adventure. Um, <laughs> There's not always much else happening at that weekend, is there? <laughs> oh, nothing else to do, is there? So you might as well. Um, Actually, I've got my knee operation that um, oh, weekend. You? So I'll, um, I'll be... Well, you'll be showing more resilience than, than I will. Um, <laughs> I'll be wishing I was in the snow up on the um, yeah. Pennines. Oh, well, I'll think of that when I'm feeling self-pitying, yes. <laughs> um, well, that's the next big one. Um, I'm pretty keen to go back to Tour de Gion in, in Italy, um, which was really exciting this year um and yeah two or three other ideas for for in between but um first up the a date with the Pennine box <laughs> well stick to the path I've learned that from your book <laughs> I'll try and any more writing any more books that you're working on that can share with us or well oh, blimey I need a break um <laughs> no I did promise my wife um yeah it was it was all consuming for for quite a few months um uh yeah I definitely need a break not no immediate plans um and I'll see if I miss, because yeah, most of my income was journalism, and I I do very little now because coaching is so busy. Um, but I'll see if I miss writing or not. Um, maybe there'll be another book um, in a few years, but m- maybe not. Maybe I'll just have a nice break and um. But you know, the planet will end in a week or two anyway, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> no, no, we were trying to end hopeful. Oh, sorry, that was it. We've got at least another year. So. <laughs> Make the most of it, everyone. You might as well be a hypocrite because um, none of us yeah. are going to get out of here alive. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you very much for sharing your insights, Damien. And just to reiterate, that book is We Can't Run Away From This by Damien Hall. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Resilience Rising podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please do help people find us by hitting subscribe, leaving a review or sharing us with others. Thank you so much and see you next time on the Resilience Rising podcast.